How many of y'all been with us the last two weeks as we've been in this series called Don't Worry? Has it helped any of you? Have you been applying it to your daily life? Now, don't say yes if you've not. Amen. Because if you show up in my office for counseling next week about these situations that I've already dealt with, you lying in church, don't do that. But over the last two weeks, we've been sitting in a series called Don't Worry. And before you think I'm playing a song and going to dance up in front of you, I'm not doing that this morning. Amen. Because I've been wondering when you're going to start and I get to stop. Amen. Because truth be told, uh, uh, this is something that I have, uh, I didn't realize when I started writing this, when God laid this on my heart to do this, I didn't realize what an epidemic worrying was in the body of Christ. I'm not even talking about in the world. I'm talking about those who believe in God still have amazing ability to worry. In fact, we spend majority of our life in our existence worrying about things. Carrying things we were never supposed to carry. And God started to deal with me and said, Brian, this has got to be broken off of people because it is binding them from believing in the fullness of who I am. Because worry comes in not to destroy you, but to destroy the God in you. I'm going to help you with that for a second. Because when you worry, you begin to discredit the power of the God that you serve. You begin to eliminate the fullness of his ability in your life and you begin to label him or box him into places that he was never meant to be because your worry limitates your faith. It limits your faith. It, it, it keeps things shut down. It's like, come on, I'm going to lift my hands. Uh, why don't you want to lift your hands? I'm afraid what my neighbor's going to say. I'm worried. But maybe the person next to you needed you to lift your hands so that they could finally be free to lift their hands. See, this is the thing is we're so bound to what the world thinks and what church thinks and what this thinks and what that thinks. And what are they going to say about me next? Listen, let me help you with something. Just so you know ahead of time, they're already talking about you. Just add to the storyline. <laughs> if you think that no one's talking about you, baby, they're talking about you. Trust me when I tell you people are talking about you, whether you like it or not. You go to the store, people that don't know you are talking about you. Family members are talking about you. Friends are talking about you. Yes, they're talking about you. Just add to the storyline. I figured in life I might as well be as crazy as I can because if they already think I'm crazy, I might as well just take them all the way to the loony farm. So many times we, we spend our lives worrying about things. Some of you woke up this morning worrying about like what you're going to wear like my son did this morning. Dad, Dad, can I wear gym clothes to church? Ha <laughs> no. Well, what am I going to wear? I don't know. You're almost 12 years old. You have a closet of clothes. I'm worried about what I'm going to wear this morning. You need to go figure out what you're going to wear. Instead of going, <laughs> y'all know parents, you know what I'm talking about. I clean and I clean and I clothes. And I, you put them in your closet. What do you do with them? Okay, I don't have time for that. Son, go find clothes. He comes back to the hall. Does this work? Yeah, let's go to church. Okay, praise God. We got in the car worried about how the day is going to work. Some of you Saints fans are worried about whether the Saints are going to win today. Some of you not Saints fans are worried if the Saints are going to lose today. Yeah, I know what you think. Okay, uh, so, so we're worried about where we're going to eat for lunch. How many anybody thinking that one yet? Come on, work with me. Some of y'all are like, oh, where are we going to lunch today? I could be really pastoral rebuking right there, but I'm not going to. Amen. Feed your soul before you feed your flesh. Shata, amen. Okay, glory to God. I'm going to look in that corner right there so no one thinks I'm talking about them. Praise God. We're worried about what we're going to eat for lunch. We're worried about how the rest of the day is going to go. We're worried about how we're going to get, what's the end of the day going to look like. We're worried about what work's going to be like tomorrow. Please let go. Oh, can you just be in the moment? Can you be in the moment you sit right now? Right now, right now you're sitting in church ready to hear the word. Are you ready to hear the word or has your worries so consumed you that you are not even listening to what's coming out of the mouth from this pulpit or the word that I'm about to read to you so you're going to miss it completely so now you will postpone what God's trying to deliver you through right now. God showed me this this week. He said, do you know worry evicts you out of me moving in your right now and postpones me to a latter date? Your worry makes me stop moving because it doesn't allow me into the picture of your existence. It keeps me on the outside. No wonder we hope that God will do things rather than believe that he can do things, that he will do things, that he is doing things right. Now, let me give you the definition of worry real quick because I feel like everyone in this room needs to continue to hear this word because maybe you'll stop once we hear the definition. Mental distress. How many of y'all like mental distress? Oh. I'm so excited. I woke up this morning. It's like, man, I'm going to have mental distress today. <laughs> mental distress or agitation 
resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. In other words, we don't even worry about what's happening. We worry about what could happen. No, read what it says. I didn't make up this definition. This is Webster's. This isn't even a theological dictionary. This is the dictionary of words that we use on a regular basis. And put that definition back up one more time. Mental distress or agitation resulting from concern usually for something that is to come. Can I just say this to you? We're more worried about what, we, what might happen in our own existence rather than whether or not God's coming back or not. We're more concerned about things in life than we are about the things that will take us to eternity. I'll use this, I'll use this as, a, as a, think about all the things you've prayed. I did this with the young adults on Friday night. I'm going to do it to y'all too. Think about all the things you've prayed for this week. Everything. Everything. Come on. Come on. I hope you prayed this week. Praise God. <laughs> I don't have anything. Oh, help us, Jesus. Okay. No wonder we got worry. Uh, think about all the things you prayed for this week. Everybody got them in your head? You got the list. Because trust me, there's a list, right? Let me ask you a question. How many of those prayers expanded the kingdom of God on the inside of you? Yep, it gets quiet in this Presbyterian church real fast. Because the truth be told is that we pray for God to fix the things that we can't fix, but really the things that we ask him to fix are only for us, not for the kingdom dwelling in us. But when the kingdom becomes alive in us, it allows us to do everything. For with God, all things are possible. Without God, nothing is possible. Right? So to my, my, my question is to you is, is how many times do we spend our time praying for God to break or fix things, break off worry, fix things in our lives, rather than God, fill me up to overflowing with more of who you are so the worry gets drowned out by you. Expand the kingdom of God on the inside of me because in you I can do all things. I can do all things through you, God, but in me, I can't do them, so I need more of you. But we don't pray that prayer because we've been taught to pray out of fear, not pray out of faith. We've been taught to go to God when everything's broken rather than when everything's good. Lifestyle prayer is not going to God begging him to fix. Lifestyle prayer is talking with him before it gets broken. Okay, that's just not even in my notes. But I need you to understand, we've got to break the spirit of worry. We've got to break the mental distress or agitation. We've got to so, stop being so concerned about tomorrow. The Bible says, stop worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries for itself. Be in the present. Be right now. Let God move in your right now. How many of y'all know that worry is not God's plan for your life? So why do we keep accepting it? Well, but I'm just, just going to be a worrier. No, you're not. You don't have to be. You're choosing to be. It's a choice. Oh, but, but the devil, that's a whole other sermon. I'm not getting into that this morning. Listen, worry will rob you of the best parts of life that God has just for you. How, so understand this. Worry comes to rob you of the best life you can have. So if worry is in you, then you're not walking in the best life in God that you could have right now. I want the best life. So worry's got to go. So you ready? Let's get into part three this morning. Let me give you the context of scripture so that you know where we've been, so you know that we're going. Psalm chapter 37, verse 1 through 8, it says this, and I pray that you brought your Bibles with you this morning. It says, do not fret or worry because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. If you were here last week, you know what that word it right there refers to. Amen. Verse 6, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret or worry. It only causes harm. Over the last two weeks, we've been dealing with verse 1 through 6, and we discovered the first five steps from these verses. And let me give these to you real quick. Number one was to trust. The word trust doesn't mean to just sit and wait in hopes that God will move one day. The word trust means to invest in, to actually invest in the relationship with God. A relationship that you trust, you will invest in. Amen? A relationship that you don't trust, you will withhold from. The first one was trust. The second one was dwell, to take residence. Dwell, take residence. Don't visit, take residence. Worry comes when you only visit the things of God rather than dwell in the things of God. 
Amen. So when you take residence, here's the great part. When you take residence in a place that you really like to live, you tell everybody where you live at. Come on, work with me. When you got that new house, you're like, look, here's where I live. You told everybody. If you don't like where you live, you're not going to tell people where you live. But when you dwell in the things of God, you take residence. You take ownership. You take responsibility of being a part of that thing. And now you get to feed in that place. Feed is not about consuming. It's about becoming satisfied. Come on, work with me for a second. We've taught in the church for a very long time that feeding on the things of God was, to, was, to, was so that you could feel better about you. No, it's so that you might be satisfied. And I brought this question when I sat this as I said, are you satisfied with God? Or are you really, where you are right now, are you satisfied? Satisfied means he doesn't have to add anything to it. Because if you're not satisfied with God and he hasn't done enough for you, then you probably don't know what he's done for you yet. You see what I'm getting at here? You have to feed. You have to be satisfied. And then last week we talked about you have to delight. You have to find joy. Find joy. You have to delight in the Lord. Find joy. Stop asking God to give you joy. He is joy. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Does that mean a partial joy? It's like a little bit of joy? Quasi joy? No. He says in his presence, there is fullness. That means nothing missing of joy. In his presence. It's amazing how we delight in everything else, but we do not delight in the Lord. We find joy in all kinds of things. Look, I'm a, I'm a tech guy. I like tech stuff. I like gadgets. My wife's like, that's your thing. I, it is. It's my thing. It's my thing. I get joy in gadgets. You know what I don't like? When I get the new gadget and then somebody puts out a newer gadget. <laughs> like an iPhone. I got the iPhone. Why are you putting out another iPhone? You jerks. He's like, because you'll keep coming back and spending money, you dummy. That's how we work this thing. But, but I find joy in those things. My wife goes, don't upgrade my phone. Don't upgrade my operating system. Leave it alone. It works just fine. I can't wait to get the new thing. I want to see what it's like. But what if I told you that God was the same way? That God never intended for you to live in the old operating system, but yet that his mercies are new every single morning. That every morning we should have this desire for the newness. We check everything out. When's this going to come out? When's this movie going to come out? When's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? When's that event? When's, this, when's vacation? Da, 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 da. Well, do you have the same expectation for the things of God? Do you have the same delight in the things of God? Were you just as eager to get up this morning and come to the house of God as you are to go on vacation? Hello. Hello. No, Pastor, I didn't want to come to church this morning. I didn't want to sit in church for an hour and a half. I just wanted to sit in bed. And the alarm kept going off. And I didn't want to, I kept hitting the snooze button because I didn't want to go to church this morning. Because that's what we've done. We don't delight in God anymore. We delight in things. We delight in feel goods. We delight in emotions. We delight in moments. We don't delight in the things of God. But he says, delight in the Lord. Find joy in the Lord in every situation. And then it says, it goes on, we dealt with the word commit to hand it over. Commit 100%, hand it over. Whatever your it is, hand it over. And if you want to just translate that for me, you can. Some of us carry too much it. See, it gets quiet when I say stuff like that in church because everything's sacrilegious that I say that. But if I sat in your house and heard half of what we say when the doors are closed, not too far off. Or when the saints don't score. Amen. Amen, Jesus, help us. (laughs) Truth be told is, is it, let's be honest, worry stinks. You don't want to carry it. I, 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 was, I said this when I left the church on Sunday. I said, you know what? I said, maybe this is a good way to analogize this thing. <sighs> don't, don't get mad. Don't leave the church when I say this. <laughs> do you poop in the toilet and leave it in the toilet? <laughs> my children do. <laughs> but do you poop in the toilet? Hey, come here. Come to my house. I want you to see what I, hey, look here. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Man, I feel good. Come on, you can laugh. It's okay. You, you're like, no, I don't want to do it. It's so not biblical. Laugh, dadgummit. Let it out. Pastor, I would never do that. Do you reach in the toilet, pull it out, and show it tell? Hey, look what I did this week. How great. Look, God, look what I did. That's your worry. 
That's the worry that you live with every day of your life because you choose to carry it around like a badge of honor so you can explain to people why you can't get the victory because you'd rather live in the worry. Lock yourself in the toilet, poop in the toilet, and just dwell. Because that's what it's become. Because when you start to worry, the world around you wonders if you even believe in the God you say you worship. Oh, I'm so worrying. Please don't tell me about the Jesus you serve because I don't want him. Because if the God you serve allows you to worry, then he is not your savior. He's nothing more than a friend that you visit when you're worn out. I don't have to worry. We're sitting in the car. We're driving here this morning. and We're talking about the next 50 years. Judah and I were talking about how he would be in 50 years because his birthday's coming up. And I'm like, you're about to turn 12. And I don't like it. I don't like it that you're turning 12. No, you're still supposed to be little. Can I get an amen from a parent somewhere? But then there's nothing more magical when they can make their own food. But then they go from learning how to make their own food to forgetting how to wash a dish. So we're still working through processes. Take a shower and take your clothes from the bathroom to the laundry room. Don't leave them in the bathroom so I got to keep coming and getting them. I don't work for you. Amen. Okay, it was just a venting moment. My son's back there laughing at me. Amen. Uh, uh, I, I know you don't like it when I take poop analogies. Can't you just use something different? No, I need to use the thing that disgusts you the most. The thing that you flush, but yet you won't get rid of the word. <sighs> what if I told you that worry is nothing more than the end result of what you digest? And you get to decide whether the Holy Spirit is the flush button or you just like to leave it for the rest of the world to see. And you wonder why people don't hang around you because nobody wants to smell your stuff. So at some point, you got to decide that you're done spraying the Febreze to cover up the odor of what you refuse to get rid of and let the Holy Spirit come in and just wipe that sucker clean. Because when the toilet's clean, you'll show everybody the toilet. I'm trying to help you. I'm still looking at me like I've lost my mind. I have. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to give it to you as real as humanly possible. Because for some reason, we're just like, oh, let's just talk. No, I need you to understand the dynamic of what you choose to carry. So we dealt with trust, dwell, feed, delight, commit. Now we're going to get into the next part. You ready? And I'm going to try to break this down in time. Amen. First 30, uh, chapter 37, verse 7. You ready? Come on. I know I've offended. I know I offended you with my poop analogy, but you'll be all right. I'm not wearing a shirt that's got a poop on it. Come on, let go. Verse 7, you ready? Put 7 up real quick for me. Let's look at it together. It says, rest in the, in your worries. Oh, Father, help us. Because worry makes us sleepy, and sleepy puts us to bed. And for some reason, we think that when we go to bed, when we wake up, the worry will go away. But the worry is still there. In fact, nine times out of ten, the worry is increased while you slept. Because time will only magnify what you refuse to deal with. Time will only magnify what you refuse to deal with. The pastor said it to me like this. You cannot conquer what you're not willing to confront. If you're not willing to confront it, it will constantly beat you. Let me help you with something. Anything in your life that's beating you up right now, it is only winning because you refuse to confront it. It says rest in the Lord. I put in the Lord in, in italics because I think one, a lot of us are looking for rest, but we're not resting in the Lord. We're resting in everything else. We're resting in the things we can do, the things we can get. We're trying to find rest in money. We're trying to find rest in jobs. We're trying to find rest. Oh, here you go. I'm trying to find rest in my marriage. Go to the Father. Stop going to your wife or your husband. Go to the Father. Let him give you the direction on how to do it. Rest in the Lord. Stop resting in everything else. Have you noticed that it doesn't matter if you try to rest in everything else? You're not going to find rest. He's the author, the creator, the founder of rest. Another word in rest is peace. It's, the Bible says those whose mind is stayed upon him shall be in perfect peace. Not those whose minds and money are caught up in all the things that they want. Those whose mind is stayed upon him shall be in perfect peace. It says rest in the Lord. Stop resting in everything else. How many of you understand that even when you get what you wanted, you're still not satisfied? Hello. 
hell. I'll go back to the iPhone thing for a second. So, so the new iPhone came out, and everybody, we got a new iPhone. Woo! So I get all these emails of tech things that are coming. Apple, just yesterday it came out that they're already working on another iPhone. They're already working on a new MacBook. They're already working on a, on a, new, on a new Apple TV. They're already working on a new. You just released it a week ago. You're already working. No! How am I going to get? See, just rest in God. Stop stressing over what's new and just find your rest in him. Oh, you know, I, 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 we have a nice house, but I went to John's house. and We got a better house than us. We got to sell the house. We got to move. Why? Because I need a house. We don't have a house. They have a house. Come on, y'all. Y'all ever done this? I've gone to people's houses and been envious. Come on, work with me for a second. You're like, my house doesn't look like that. How do they keep it so clean? How? We just let our kids make messes. We just understand we got four kids. Y'all going to have to suck it up. You come to my house, there's toys on the floor. Just enjoy the life like we do. Amen. I ain't got time to worry about it. We tried it for years. It doesn't work. Okay. We, but we're not. We, it's like this. My, I can sit down. It drives my wife crazy. Can I get an amen for my wife? It drives my wife crazy. I can sit down. I come from a family of six. I can sit down. My wife, on the other hand, not so much. We went out last night, hung out with the family, come to the house. We walk in. We're all sitting at the table. We're choking. We're joking. We're laughing. We're cutting up. We're having fun, yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden, my wife just walks over, grabs two trash bags, and walks over and goes, can you take these out? I say, can you sit down? I don't want to take the trash out right now. I'm resting. But they need to go out. Right now? Like right this minute. If it doesn't go right now, the apocalypse is coming, and the end of the world is going to manifest. No. Leave it alone. We're good. She set them right by the door. Then I politely waited about 30 minutes, looked at my son, and said, hey, bub, you take the trash out of the trash can? <laughs> I was working that magic. Amen. But, but here's what I'm saying is, I was resting. When you come home, do you rest or do you create more work? When you get into the presence of God, do you work or do you rest? Hmm. See, worship for me is resting. It's not work. Preaching for me is resting. It's not work. You go, Pastor, but you're working. I, but yeah, I'm, I'm resting in this. I'm enjoying this. I'm having fun. This is my rest. My, 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 my nerves might go up a little bit later during the Saints game, but right now I'm resting. When the game's over, I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to come back here. We're going to rest some more tonight at 7 o'clock. All right. It says rest in the Lord. And it goes on. It says, here it comes. You ready? And wait, verse 8, or the second part of verse 7. And wait patiently. For promotion on your job. And wait patiently for more money. And wait patiently for a better marriage. And wait patiently for better kids. And wait. You see where I'm headed here? You know, it says, and wait patiently for who? The Lord. The word wait is defined as this to remain stationary in readiness or expectation to look forward expectantly, to be ready and available. Put that definition up there for me real quick. The word wait, I'm going to read it to you one more time so you can see it. To remain stationary in readiness or expectation. To look forward expectantly. To be ready and available. Let me, let me, let me give these to you real quick. To remain stationary, in other words, stop moving around so daggum much. In readiness or expectation. In other words, you know something's coming. You might not see it yet, but I know it's coming. I love what it says here, to look forward. Lift up your eyes, O ye gates, see this king of glory is the Lord God strong and mighty. Look forward with expectation. Look forward expectantly. Stop looking over your shoulders, wondering why things didn't work out in the past, and start looking forward to what's coming in your life. To look forward, expect to be ready and available. I wrote this, I said, wait is not a mental preparedness, but a posture of readiness. Wait is not a mental preparedness, but a posture of readiness. What does your body language say? Because those who worry know what I'm talking about. What does worry look like? 
Shoulders are dropped, heads down. You're stuck in the moment. You have no expectation of what's to come. You are just dying right now. It's never going to change. It's always going to be this way. I don't know why we keep doing this over and over and over. It's never going to shift. I, I don't know where God is. I don't know where. I mean, the devil seems like he's just winning every day of our lives, and I don't know what to do. You're not waiting expectantly. Your weights have become weights. Your W-A-I-T's have become W-E-I-G-H-T-S's. And you're carrying things that God never called you to carry. Weight doesn't mean you're carrying things. Weight means you're standing there ready to receive what he's bringing. He says, wait patiently for him. What does your body language say? What are you expecting? Wait patiently on the Lord. Stop waiting for vindication. Stop waiting for promotion. Stop waiting for more money. Stop waiting for your marriage or your spouse. Stop waiting for new friends. Stop waiting to not be lonely. Stop waiting to be loved. He says, wait patiently on the Lord. If you will wait patiently on him, when he shows up, everything that you need starts to manifest according to his plan and purpose for your life. He says, wait on me. Stop waiting for the day for everything to be perfect. Your perfect space resides in the Lord. I can't wait for my wife to like me. When I talk about her beloved saints. And then she goes, you can't say that. I can. And I will. But I'm not worried that when the diet, the day is over, she's going to be like, nope, you're sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> I don't have to wait for the church to grow. I have to wait for the Lord. For the Bible says, if his name be lifted up, Brian will draw all men under the church. Oh, no. It says, if his name be lifted up, he will draw all men. Hello. So here's the crazy part. As the pastor of this church, my responsibility or my inability to worry about the growth of the ministry in numbers perspective is what removes the worry out of me so that God can get glorified so that when you walk out of this place, you don't hear me saying, we're going to be at one day and we're going to be at church. No, whether five show up or 500 show up, baby, we're going to do it the same doggone way. Why? Because I'm not worried. Can I be honest with you? Used to be. Oh, I could tell y'all some stories of some stuff that shut me down because I was praying cars to pull in a parking lot. God, there's five of us. Let them pull in. No, they're going to go to the grocery store. Okay, praise the Lord. Father, let that car pull in. Nope, they're going to the gas station. Okay, praise the Lord. Father, can I, Father, what do we, God, oh, God. I was telling somebody this the other day. So when we started the church, we had 93 on the first Sunday. The second Sunday, we had five. Made me question a lot of things real fast. Did you miss the Lord? Did you? What are you doing? Okay, a worry came in, but, but then I had to find my rest in the Lord and then wait patiently on him. Because had I quit, this wouldn't exist. You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. None of this would have ever happened. So I had to wait patiently on him, not patiently on you. Knowing that God would bring you in due season. Stop waiting for everything, but wait on the Lord. The, the book of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, I got so much to say on that one. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you ever feel weary? It's because you're too busy. Because waiting means you're standing expectantly, not doing things to hopefully move him faster than what he's already going to do already. Can I just say this to you? Do you know there's nothing you can do to make God move outside of his timelines? Oh, okay, I'm really going to mess up your theology real fast, real quick. What if I told you that your prayer can't bend God's will? Oh, but pastor, but pastor, no, I can pray and then God will hear the cries of my heart. Did you think that God wasn't already planning to try to do something already? <laughs> he just wanted to see if your faith would equal his movement. Oh, well, I'm trying to help y'all this morning because so many times we think we can bend God. Well, if I beg and cry and scream loud enough, he'll listen to me like a kid throwing a temper tantrum who didn't get his toy at Walmart. Anybody ever prayed like that? I have. <laughs> but God, you don't understand. Really? I'm the alpha and the omega. I don't understand. 
But God, you don't know the pain in my heart. Brian, I created your heart. You're the one who put the pain there. I'm saying he talks to me. That's how he talks to me. He might not talk to you that way. He might be the thou than those, but my God really just lays it out plain and simple for me. So many things we do in the church today is bound on the space of weird theology because for some reason we think that our ability as human beings, his created creature, has the ability to bend the creator. Truth? That's how we've been taught. We have the ability. No, God just wants to see if you'll step out in faith and believe that he's everything that his word says he is. That's how you see the manifestation of everything that's in that word is you believing that that word is truth. Right? That word is truth. Well, but God, Pastor, I prayed. I prayed. No. You know what you did? You stepped out in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. When I'm pleased, I want to bless my kids. When I'm not pleased, I don't feel like blessing them. Amen? So here's the thing. Why is it that we're so caught up with trying to bend God and worried about what God won't do? What if he is doing? You just haven't gotten on his level yet. Oh, I'll give you another one. These are not even my notes. My wife posted this the other day. Now it's in there. Now it's up in my head, and I can't get it out. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that you, you, somebody say me, could ever ask or think. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that you could ever ask or think according to the power. What's power? Dunamis. The word dunamis is an inherent power. Dunamis was placed in you when you were in molecular structure. Dunamis is the power of God implanted on the inside of you, laying dormant, waiting for it to wake up. He said, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think, according to the power, the power of God that was placed in you in your mother's womb, just waiting for you to say it's okay for it to live. Mm, trying to help you. You didn't, you didn't get power you uncovered it. You're God's creature. God created you. Everything you need is in you. It's just a matter of whether or not you're going to find it or not. And let it live. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Stop waiting on everything else and wait patiently on the Lord. Anything out of this so far? I know it's a lot of pieces. I'm hoping you'll go back and review it again. Verse 7, also in that same part, it says, Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Can I just say this to you real quick? And I'm not even going to sit on this piece of Scripture long at all. I know there's people in this room that don't use social media, but there's people who do use social media. If social media becomes a place where you comparatively live your existence, delete your account. Delete it. It's killing you. It's robbing you. It's destroying you. Stop it. Because now you're living in someone else's blessings and eliminating the blessings that God's trying to get to you. <sighs> okay, I'm trying to help you here for a second. If, if you've got friends that you're envious of, take a break. Hey, I love you, but I need to take a break for a season. Why? Because you need to let God have that over your life so that you can begin to live and celebrate other people's blessings. If you're so caught up with worry, what other people do, or what other people get, or how people get away with stuff, and you never get away with anything. I'm glad I serve a God that never let me get away with anything. I can say that now. When I was in the middle of it, I didn't say that as much. Okay, when I was getting caught at everything, I was like, God, come on, seriously. Everybody else does worse than me, and I can't even, because God had a call. God had a plan. He had a purpose. Okay, but, but, but now I look at it, and I said, man, I thank God that I never got away with everything. I thank God that my kids don't get away with anything. Now, they'll probably disagree with you. But I politely look at my kids and go, your mom and I have tried everything. There's nothing you're going to get away with. You are done. You're done. Just go ahead and let it now. Let it know now. You're not that swift. We wrote the book, got the T-shirt. We own the plot of land, Jack. You're not going anywhere. So just ride the ride. Okay, but, 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 but we fret because of when people prosper. We, we fret because we don't have what the Joneses have. We fret because someone gets a new car. We, we worry because somebody gets a new house. Well, why can't we do this? Or why can't? That's the enemy coming in to restrict you from moving forward and limit your blessings. Because if you're comparative living to what everyone else has, what you chase after you will get, you'll eventually catch. I don't want your house. I want my house. Your house might be completely, you might love your house. I might not want your house. That's okay. You might look at my house and go, man, Pastor, your house 
It's horrid. I'm sorry. You feel that way. I like my house. But then I celebrate when other people get better houses than me. Why? Because when I stop worrying, God has the ability to bring things into my existence that I did not see coming. As opposed to limiting myself to someone else's blessings. Let me help you with this real quick. Someone else's blessings are not yours. Leave them alone. Stop picking up somebody else's blessings, trying to call them yours. I'll, I'll share this with you real quick. Tiff and I talked about over the years about trying to build a house, like kind of put our look in what we want to see. And, and I'll never forget, Pat Kelly built his own home from the ground up, right? Tell me I'm wrong. I walked in one day, and I, I love some of the features he has in his house. And I said, hey, man. I said, can I see the plans of your house? You know what he told me? Nope. Come on, man, I'm pastor. Like, come on, seriously. Like, what? Come on, hook, hook me up. I said, no. And then it hit me. That's his blessing. Build your blessing. You'll get more fruit out of it. Because I could live in his house and then want to change things because it's not to my likings. He wouldn't let me change his house because he loves his house. He loves all the features in his house. He built it with, God, let me help you something. When you try to take other people's blessings, you'll change it, and then you'll be miserable because it's not what you want yet. As opposed to waiting patiently on the Lord, resting in him, and then, and then, when you stop worrying about everybody else's treasures and stuff, then God can finally give you what he's been trying to put in your hands the whole time. Okay. Verse 8. Here we come. Here we come. Now it's going to get tight. It's going to get real tight. Real tight. You ready? Buckle your seatbelts. Going for a ride. Because I looked at this, and I went, God, you gave us some great fruit on the front end, and you hit us with this, like, kiloton punch right in the chest at the end. He says, verse 8, cease from anger. Cease from anger. Let me give you definitions of both of those words, because I think you need to see them. The word cease means to bring an activity or action to an end. Does it say postpone it to another day? It says stop it. A strong feeling of displeasure is anger. A strong feeling of displeasure. Stop being angry. Well, Bob, Pastor, the Bible says be angry and sin not. Yeah, the problem is most of us can't be angry and sin not. Because anger leads us to a place that God doesn't dwell. You can be angry about a situation, but when it manifests on the inside of you and now takes root on the inside of you, then you have to eliminate which one's going to be the root in you. So either the God will be the root in you or the anger will be the root in you. You're going to have to choose. Most of us, in the moments that we live, we allow the anger to take root. Well, you understand what happens. The anger comes in, it uproots God out of the system. So now you got to replant him. You know how long it takes to replant something? <laughs> and for the roots to grow back down again? Stop letting stupid things like anger come in and uproot the God you serve. Let anger go away. Stop being angry. It's not worth it being angry. It's not worth it being angry. But, Pastor, you don't know that person who cut me off on the road this morning on the way to church. Look at him, smile, thumbs up. I know you're being rude. I know you're being sarcastic, but just don't get angry. It's not worth it. Now, if they try to run you off the road, okay, be angry. Don't chase them down and run them over, but be angry. <laughs> uh, can I tell you? Oh, God, I probably shouldn't tell this story. I'm going to tell it anyway. So Kirk and I have been around for a long time, and, and we're family, and, and when Kirk works with you, <laughs> this is so bad. Jesus. <laughs> Lord, touch me right now. Don't let me go to jail for this one. Okay, amen. Five times, okay. Uh, I was on the road, and a car comes whipping beside me and literally almost takes off the side of my car. I was, like, in a lane. They hit that shoulder. You know what I'm talking about, the wide shoulder? But, I mean, like, <laughs> I could have stuck my tip of my finger out of my car and touched his car. And he whipped around me and then hit the, hit the light in front of me because he didn't want to wait for me to go. Right? He gave me a little family badge. Ooh, I almost played a cop real quick. That's, that's, you can't do that. I know you can't do that. But, man, I was so angry at what he did. I wanted to pull him like. That's what I wanted to do. Come on, work with me. If you had a badge in your car, you'd probably want to do it too. <laughs> Hit a bike. Whoop, 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 whoop. But then I remembered the anxiety that came in my life. <laughs> When cops pulled me over, and I usually ended up in handcuffs going to jail. Okay, so I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. But, but I was angry. Or you do this, somebody cuts you in line at Walmart, and you're like, I don't know why. You, you, you think you're slick, but you say things out loud. 
Y'all know what's wrong with people this day. I don't know what's wrong with them. I'm not going to tell them to their face, but, man, I don't know why people think they just cut in line. I've been standing here for 45 minutes waiting for that person to be done. There's people around here to see they cut lines, cut lines, cut lines. Maybe, just maybe, that person cut in line because God's saving you from something that could have killed you. Stop being angry. Remember that some people have to sell their souls to get what they want. Stop being angry what people have. Stop being be angry what you don't have. Celebrate what you do got. Do got. I said do got. That's what I said. Celebrate what you do got. That is my English this morning. Suck it up. That's where I'm going. Celebrate what you do got. I don't know where that came from. It just slipped out. Y'all pray for me. My vocabulary is not strong this morning. Stop being angry. Let me say this to you. Anger will create some of the biggest worry in you. Stop. It says cease from anger. And then it says forsake wrath. To quit or leave entirely, to abandon or desert. The word wrath is defined as strong, stern, or fierce anger. Deeply resentful indignation. To abandon your desire for indignation. Don't worry. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. What if I told you that all that is what creates the worry in you? Because if you can cease from anger and forsake wrath, it will be easy to do the other things. It will be easy to trust, to dwell, to feed, delight, and commit. It's funny. Sometimes God will write scripture in reverse. We think it's from the top to the bottom. It's really from the bottom to the top. Because he wants to fill you. You don't fill a vessel from the top to the bottom. You fill it from the bottom up. He says, Brian, if I can get the root of this out of you, everything else becomes easy. Everything else becomes simple in your life. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. And I love what verse 38, verse 37, verse 8 says at the end of it. It says, don't worry, don't fret. Come on, it only causes harm. So let me, let me set this moment up real quick. I don't know if you follow news. I'm a news guy. Ah, man, I was ripped apart this week. There's some of you know about this uh, police officer that shot this young man, Botham Jean. And I was watching the news, and I saw a video of his younger brother, a teenager. And for those of you who haven't seen it, because I know some people haven't seen it, I'm going to play it for you in a second. But, but I want you to understand something. I saw in that video, I saw the desire for God and man in one moment. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Watch what happens when we do it. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just I hope you go to God with all what all the guilt all the thing, the bad things you may have done in the past each and every one of us may have done something that we we're not supposed to do if you truly are sorry i know i can speak for myself i i forgive you and i know if you go to god and ask him he will forgive you And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but 
I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. watch that video and I've seen the excerpts that no one wants to report on. What you don't know is, and most people don't know, is that the judge was so wrecked by the moment that she went to her chambers and grabbed her Bible. She came back out to the young lady who did not say she didn't commit the crime. She committed it. She knows she made a mistake. She said, I'm willing to take whatever comes my way. The judge takes the Bible, brings out the scripture, lays it in front of her and reads what the gospel declares over her. She stands up, the judge hugs her. It's unprecedented. It's never happened. And I, I was watching court TV. They were like, we've never seen something like this happen. In fact, it was funny to me because the commentator on court TV said, it looks like she's got a book. Is it a book of laws? And one of the guys goes, no, that's a Bible. The book. Ah. She begins to read John 3, 16 to her. And then it flips to another scripture and reads another one and begins to show her that, listen, if you let go and let God, everything can change. She stands to her feet. This woman wraps her arms around her like a mama bear and begins to pray over her. If you turn, if you watch the video long enough, the, the, the police officers, the, the, the courtroom police officers, the, the attorneys, they're all just sobbing. In that moment, worry left. Anger left. Wrath left. And God won in the moment. And I have to say this very loud and strong. We've got to stop separating ourselves based on hatred and anger towards one another and begin to love each other with the love of God so that worry can be broken and lives can be changed and things like that are not something that's posted on TVs but happens in a Starbucks, in a Walmart, at the grocery store, at the gas station because the God in us is living in us and dwelling in us. But it's easy to shout amen. It's another thing when we finally start doing it. I watched that for a moment, and, I, and I, I, I grieved, I cried. I played it for my son, and he cried. And I said, God, why can't we do this? Why can't this be the normal thing? Where we're not so bent on putting people to death, but raising them to life in Christ. Why are we so fundamentally broken as a church, not even as people, as a church, as believers, that we can't even do this anymore? And God started dealing with my heart. And he says, because we live our lives too worried about what someone else might take from us, that we've forgotten what God gave us. He gave us Jesus, right? Jesus is life. But yet we'll hold life from others. And I'm going to say this so loud. We'll hold it based on the color of skin. We'll, base, we'll hold it based on the, the situations in life. 
We'll hold it based on mistakes and failures. We'll hold it on all kinds of things. And I realized if we'll break the spirit of worry, we'll change a city, a state, a region, a country, a world. Stop being consumed by everything else. That young man was consumed by God. God told me, he said, that's the only thing. That's what I did with Jesus. I saw you at your sentencing. And I spoke at your hearing. And I said, I don't want them to die. And once I spoke life over you, then I realized it required a commitment, a movement. And so I sat in that moment and I sent Jesus to come hug you, to come wrap his loving arms around you and embrace you so that you knew you didn't have to be alone. It didn't matter what the sentence was. I will never leave you or forsake you. I saw God in that moment. I guess the question is, will, will the world see the God in you in your next moment? It's time for us to break the spirit of worry. It's time for us to bind it, to break it off, 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 like no more. It's time that we adhere to the word, not adhere to emotion and opinion. I watched one more interview after this. I don't know how it happened so fast. Within days, Dr. Phil had the whole family in a room. Go, Dr. Phil. And he's talking, and, and they said, did they ask the family, said, did you know he was going to say this? They said, no, we had no clue. When they asked us if we wanted to say something in the sentencing, the sentencing, the family declined to say anything. And the son said, but mama, I need to say something. And the mom said, she goes, I looked at him and went, what are you going to say? And she goes, he goes, I can't tell you. I just need to talk. He says in that interview, he said, I wasn't speaking for me. I was speaking on the behalf of the life of my brother. Because that is what my brother in his death would have wanted to see for her is life. He would have forgave her, so I had to. And then the mom said, you know, we quote this scripture all the time. The Lord's Prayer. Forgive those who trespass against us. She said, it's great scripture. But what does it really mean? Truth be told, we've got to walk in the meaning of the word. So we can break the spirit of worry. So that we can cease from anger. We can forsake wrath. We can finally do those things like trust, dwell, feed, delight, and commit. Could you imagine what your life might look like if you stop worrying today? Everybody stand to your feet.